happy Wednesday, November 30th, the last day of the month. We are still thankful for all of you, even though Thanksgiving is over. Welcome to episode number 46 of the Still City Insider Podcast. I'm alongside the man, the legend, the myth, my good friend, Mr. Jim Wexel. How are you today, sir? I'm really good. I like being the myth. Hey, it's uh, a great day. We're going to be able to talk about a Steelers win against the Indianapolis Colts in Indy on Monday night. Uh, Things are trending in a positive direction. We can't get too optimistic here, but we're going to talk about all that today. But Jim, before we get into that, how was your Thanksgiving? It was fine. It was really good. It was really good. Good. (laughs) How long ago was that? How many games have they played since then? Just one? Since Thanksgiving? Yeah, Wait. just one, right? Yeah, just one. Just yeah, one. Uh, Thanksgiving was great. Yeah, okay. how was yours? That was good. It was good. Yep, I, I had a good time. <laughs> I had probably a little bit of a too much of a good time Monday night watching the Steelers. But you, um, you know, it, it, we can we can get excited about that, can't we? We can. You said you, said, uh, you know don't get too excited, and a lot of people are doing that. And hey, I got to admit, I didn't watch the game live. I watched the condensed replay and I just finished it. Well, I didn't finish it the second time, but I had to get through that great fourth quarter picket drive. Yeah. Pickett's charge. Right. Yeah. And um, that that's an ex- exciting in itself that this rookie quarterback is playing so well. It is that drive. You know, I was talking to Bob Labriola and he wrote that um, he saw some Roethlisberger rookie stuff. And then Craig Wolfley wrote that same thing this morning. And yeah, that drive was that good. Yeah. Some of those third down passes were that good. That's exciting. And then you look around the net and people are saying, well, he's just not good enough in a in a conference with Mahomes. And, you know, you run down a list of great quarterbacks in the AFC, and that's true. But when was Jim McMahon ever the best quarterback in the NFC? But the Bears were the best team you can remember since the Steel Curtain, right? Yeah. Yeah, Pickett is good. He's a winning quarterback. He's on his way, and I think he can be a championship quarterback. Some yeah. of those third down passes on that last drive were great. That yeah. was great stuff. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that jumped out to me too. And I guess two points uh, there. Number one, just his accuracy and the windows that he was fitting the ball into. I think that's his. I think that's his edge that he has. And. I, th- I think when people say, oh, he can't play with Mahomes or Lamar Jackson, he doesn't have that skill skill set. Not every quarterback fits the same mold. Everybody has different talents. I think what Kenny Pickett does, and it, it bears out in his completion percentage, which I know that's not the be-all, end-all, but he he puts the ball where it needs to go, and that's only going to get better with time. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's got a lot of moxie. Yes. <laughs> That's a funny word. I'm thinking of another word that instead of moxie, but I don't think it's. Why? Uh, I mean, uh, uh, T.J. Watt used it. Kurt Warner used it. You know, I, I know the, the local sportscaster, the the local cynic, is down on that word, but I think it's. I think it fits. You know, it, and, and you know, I, I keep referring to my Bears every now and then. That was my team growing up. I was yeah. born there, grew up. I started covering the Steelers in '95, so. Give me the 85 Bears still, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, when Aaron Smith came, I think that's when I started turning. Jerome Bettis, those guys, I started turning the corner there. Yeah. But uh, um, and, and this is episode 46, right? 46. And at the 46 defense oh. is named after Doug Plank. 
Okay. And Doug Plank went to my high school. Okay. So this is the Doug Plank episode, number 46. Doug Plank. That's what I wanted to explain to you about Doug Plank. Yeah. Jim McMahon. And, you know, they, of course, the Bears had that great defense, but the Steelers have the pieces to build. You can't compare anything to the 85 Bears except for the Steel Curtain. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, with Minka and TJ, I know TJ's going through some hard times right now. He's just, you know, he's he's not the TJ of old, and he will be. Alex Highsmith's coming on and mm-hmm. get another piece, get a shutdown corner. And, and and I know I'm jumping around on you, but I, I I've I think I've firmly decided on shutdown corner as the first round draft pick as opposed to left tackle. Because while Dan Moore, if anybody watched the beginning of the game, Dan Moore gave up a couple sacks. I don't know if he was at fault for the second one. And he had a holding call. The rest of the game, he was a killer. Yeah. And and my understanding is the Steelers like him and believe in him. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to like and believe in him, too. I've wanted to, and he struggled at times. But I don't know that you need to pick whatever, the 10th, 12th pick that they have on offensive left tackle or anything on offense. Right. Right. Uh, you know, a, a shutdown corner or a, a defensive tackle, but at pick 10, I think you're looking at shutdown corner. Yeah. And that's what they need, even though they have some nice pieces. Sutton, Wallace are nice complimentary corners. Very nice. Well, and that's what I was thinking, too, when I was watching the game. I was like, you know what? The the corners that they have now aren't elite shutdown guys, but they have a place. They're role players that can contribute and can make place. I saw that with Levi Wallace or that interception by James Pierre. I'm so encouraged by Pierre this season because he had a terrible year last year. He's really come on. He doesn't go away, does he? No. <laughs> does that, that was an incredible interception. It was. Yeah. It really was. He did give up a TD pass to an excellent receiver. He shut down the slant, gave up the fade, made a great catch. That was on him, but he's a guy that can you can keep for a long time. Yeah, yeah. How about uh, the the rushing attack? I did want to spend some time um, talking about what seems to be a revived running game, um, and it's not Najee Harris. It's it's really running back by committee at this point, and Harris has the abdominal injury. Tomlin didn't really give us too much information in his press conference, but we got to see a little bit of Benny Snell football, and it was – Okay. Uh, I, know, I know Benny's your man. I know you've been promulgating Benny Snell football for quite a long time. Oh, yeah. He came out of, of Kentucky. <laughs> it's, it goes back to Matt Snell, his great uncle, right? The the real hero of the uh, 69 Jets, Joe Namath's guarantee. Matt's his, gra- his great uncle was wow. the key. But anyway, Benny Snell football was – I know we raved – I raved about Pickett's last drive or that, that fourth quarter drive that put them back on top. Benny Snell was huge in that drive. You know, yeah. that first third down pass that Pickett completed, Benny Snell picked up the blitz. Watch that if you get a chance on replay. It was a beautiful blitz pickup. And yeah. when the, the linebacker was so pissed off that he continued on and hit Pickett late. So you had 13-yard gain plus 15. That was a big game, thanks yeah. to Benny. Then Benny hit for 13 yards up the middle, and then that touchdown run. And if you go back and look, there was a lot of Dan Moore on that on that drive too. Yeah. So some of the, the two of the guys who've been getting a lot of abuse this year, I, I know Pickett, it was a Pickett drive, and uh, Friar Muth made a great catch too. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of Benny Snell and Dan Moore on that that great drive too. 
Yeah. And another guy, too, who didn't get any action this season. He was cut at the beginning of the season, stashed on the practice squad. But Anthony McFarland got his first carries, and he he looked bursty as well. He's a bursty player, and we've all been waiting for that. You know, ever since he burst his way, almost, was it 300 yards against Ohio State a couple of years ago that kind of made him a draft pick? Yeah. So there it was. Yeah. So he has his moments, too. Absolutely. But I think there's a lot of run blocking that I like on that line. Really, and I keep going back to Dan Moore as just one example because I keep watching him. I know some of the interior guys are more run blocking and, and might be replaced. Um, but um, uh, Dan Moore, man, he knocked this defensive tackle just right down. I mean, he he was playing with aggressiveness. Yeah. Real, uh, real, real violence. And uh, so you see a lot of that on that offensive line. Uh, just some nasty run blockers, and that's helping these complementary running backs do their job too. Yeah, and with Harris, I thought early on in this game, and I know he didn't have any big chunk uh, rushes, but I did feel like, and I know we talked about last week, he's getting healthy. I felt like he looked himself this game, and then he got hurt. So have you heard anything about his injury or how long he's going to be out, the extent of it? No, and I wouldn't gauge by practice today either. It's it's nasty out here in Pittsburgh, and uh, my guess is they're going to play in, in practice inside, and it's going to be really light, and he won't do anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, to, don't gauge it by today, uh, tomorrow, and then Friday. Because this is a Monday night game, Tomlin's going to push everything to the end of this week. So I, I'd, I'd look for Friday's practice to, Friday's to practice. give some more answers. Today, today is just going to be a – basically a walkthrough with those who can walk. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, this is a, a very different week because it's a away Monday night game followed by an away game. The NFL rarely does that to, to teams. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys got in at 5 a.m. And, and a lot of people didn't go to sleep. A lot of people went right to work. Players went home, of course. But this is a tough week, even though Indy's not a far road trip and Atlanta's not a far road trip, but it's just different. And it's yeah. That kind of travel does wear, wear you down. Yeah. And this is a, a critical game. Again, they're not, I've said this on my other show, they're not competing or fighting for a wild card spot right now. That's out of the question. They're Who are fighting you to say that, Jeremy? Who are you to say that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to be, I know I'm the optimist, but just being a realist here, they've got to do more to at least get in that position. And it's it does start this weekend with Atlanta. Now, if they can get one against Atlanta, that matchup the following week in Pittsburgh against the Ratbirds has some significance. What do you have against the Baltimore Ravens? Everything. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I I so when I started teaching, I taught in Maryland and I'm very open about my Steelersness and I was surrounded by Ravens fans and I just got uh, it was the year they won the Super Bowl. Oh, I, I got brutalized. It, I, I have no no love for Baltimore. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know that I have any love, but I rat birds. Rat birds. <laughs> okay. I, I, I use a word before rat birds, but I won't on this show. <laughs> what about um, some of the negatives? You know, uh, a lot of uh, uh, Steeler fans are upset about the lack of adjustments in the second half. Um, I, I, the only problem I had, I, uh, that third and one out of the shotgun, third and inches out of the shotgun that was stuffed by McFarland, 
it was pointed out to me that that was the exact same play that they used on a third and two that McFarland converted, and I believe Benny Snell's touchdown run. Okay. <clears throat> third and two is not third and inches. Right. Well, Pickett has shown he can do the quarterback sneak. So I still stand that that was the second worst play call of the game. And you know what my worst play call is, right? I complain about this every time they run it for a loss of three. The Zach Gentry uh, tight end screen. Exactly. And now Craig Wolfley's column today, it was his last thing. <coughs> Excuse me. That was his last note. Don't give up on the tight end screen. Someone makes the kick out block. <clears throat> Gentry's still running. I kind of find that hard to believe. And I really, as much as I like Zach and a lot of the things he does, I don't like him getting the screen deep in the backfield. I just, but go ahead. I was going to say, I feel like, uh, you know, we've been hearing, I know last week after the Bengals game, one of the players said that, you know, it's, they run the same thing over and over. And then you could hear a, a guy on the Colts team saying they're running the same play. They keep running the same plays. At the end of a nine and a half yard run. Yeah. So, well, right, so right. That was that's what set up our our third and one shotgun run, and they should have run the same play. <laughs> right. I get. I guess that yeah, the execution comes into play here. Maybe it's not so much Canada, but there are four options on all these plays. Mm-hmm. And it's a different world out there. It's why uh, people got confused when they said there's no audibles. Well, it's because you have four options here, and you yeah. know. Uh, you know, people are not going to like Canada. I don't know what to matter. I leave that up to the head coach. The head coach knows whether this guy can do the job or not. Right. Things right. click seem to seem to click when Pickett's hitting and then Moore's blocking and Snell's running. People things seem to work. But um, the defense, you know, the lack of adjustments in the second half. Marcus Allen makes the tackle on a kickoff return, thirty-nine yards, and you know how about Connor Hayward's tackle there. Oh, geez. But, I mean, that set up a touchdown. So that's 16-10. And then the next drive, I believe, uh, was a a fourth and two field goal attempt that Cam Sutton jumped offside. So I'm not going to blame the defense for that. I'm going to blame special teams, even though Cam Sutton plays both. So that set up – did that set up the touchdown or another – no, that set up the the go-ahead touchdown. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know that they they – came out in the second half flat or poorly coached or poorly adjusted. Colts made a couple plays on special teams. Right. Uh, and then, uh, you know, they, they, they picked it back up with that picket drive that just turned things around. But again, too, I, I think this has to come into play as well as I think as, as Steelers fans, we think that, oh, they got to, they got to shut them down every drive, but I know it's a cliche the other players get paid too. And it's really just a matter of averages. You shut down the the Colts offense the entire first half. They're going to make some plays. You're going to give up some chunk yards. You're going to give up a touchdown. It's going to happen. It's just minimizing the damage. You're not, we're not the, they're not the 1985 bears. Yeah. going to hold them to negative 15 rushing yards and zero points, you know? Yeah. Respect. To go along with your cliche of the other team gets paid, the other players get paid too. I like the old Rooneyism. The other team has coaches too. And Jeff Saturday's clock management at the end of that game was something to behold. Was, I mean, imagine if Mike Tomlin did that. I didn't uh, call. Well, how many, how much time? He went from like 352 to 30 seconds without calling a timeout. And he still went home with two in his pocket. And they don't, they don't carry over to the next game. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we, uh, 
can you imagine Twitter if that was Tomlin's time management? No. He's he's getting he's getting blasted for his time management for calling timeouts with the rookie quarterback on the, the field goal drive to end the first half and left yeah. the Colts with 56 seconds. Yeah. I just I like a coach that stays in the present and works on what he has in front of him for the drive, especially in the first half, without doing basketball mathematics. You know what I mean? You look at the clock, you see how much time they would have left. Work on what you got going now with your rookie quarterback. Who knows what kind of chaos was going on that sideline in the huddle? Right. Hold them down. They got a field goal. The the one thing I'll say about Tomlin is it seems like I don't want to say he's a static coach. I'm trying to think of the right way to say this, but like where he, he's he's values driven. Like he's he's the same guy. Like he he's not shaking. Like you're saying, like he's in the moment. He's got his checklist. All right, A B C D. Like. I'm going to make the decision based off this and I'll never waver from that. I feel like he's consistent. I mean, love him or hate him, but it, it works. Like he it makes works. his mistakes. He makes his mistakes. Yeah, he does. I don't know that he lets three and a half minutes click off the no. call a timeout on a, on a huge drive at the end of the game. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's just inexperience on Saturday's part. Was he even coaching before he was named? The head coach there in Indy? No, but, you know, uh, I've seen other coaches. You know, Mike Holmgren in the Super Bowl for Seattle. The hideous clock management that no one brings up because everybody wanted to blame the officials who were siding with the Steelers, right? That's yeah, look at Go back and look at the end of the first half. You'll see some of the worst clock management I've ever seen in NFL history. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I had a flashback to that game, watching that game. <laughs> that was uh, – that was the first Super Bowl win I I saw as a fan. It was something That's special. When you became really obnoxious in Maryland, huh? Ah, uh, that was before Maryland, but it, I, I was twenty one Bud Lights deep. <laughs> with, I was watching it with my dad. It was it was good. It was it was a special moment. I remember that game. I'm Willie Parker's run. Oh my gosh, beautiful. Yeah. It's right up there with the birth of my children and my marriage. Wow, well, come on, come on now, come on, come on. <laughs> It was great. Yeah. Alan Fanica and Max Starks and Heinz Ward, big, big parts of that run. Fast Ward Parker. Yep. So, and I brag about this all the time. I'm the one that nicknamed him Fast Ward Parker. And one of my great moments that rank up with the birth of my child was on Monday Night Football when Willie was just starting and he burst down the sideline and Al Michaels goes, that's fast, Willie Parker. <laughs> I mean, you know, you want him to say, so nicknamed by Jim Wexel. Right? <laughs> but when Al Michaels uses your nickname and then it's national, and then everybody takes credit for it. And, uh, you know, every time I say it, people just roll their eyes like, yeah, who couldn't have nicknamed him that? Well, but hey, we had to nickname Joe Green, mean Joe Green, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, we know the truth and, and our, our, our fans know the truth, Jim. That's all that matters. Real fast before we close out here, do you want to talk quickly about the book? Oh, yeah, it's flying off the shelves, man. Uh, great review by Bob Labriola on the clock, Pittsburgh Steelers, behind the NFL draft stories. And I like how I, I got some great reviews. And I don't mean to dismiss any of the others, but Bob really hit the nail on the head with um, uh, focusing on the anecdotes. It was anecdote-driven, and it's storytelling. And I, I I didn't want it to come off as encyclopedic. And I want you to know as much about Wizard White's childhood and his – interview with John F. Kennedy after he his PT boat sank uh, and how John Kennedy then later repaid Wizard White by naming him a, a 
to the Supreme Court as a judge. And and that it's all flowing. It, mm-hmm. It's quick storytelling. Don't. And that's just one exact. That's the start of the book. And then we go yeah. into Joe Green and then we Terry Bradshaw throwing the javelin in high school, his 82 yard uh, uh, Hail Mary in college at Louisiana Tech. And how the Steelers also drafted the guy who caught that 82 yard Hail Mary in the 17th round of one of their drafts. Uh, story after story after story, all the way up through TJ Watt and and into the current team. And I, you, you try not to get bogged down in too much. And so I wanted to make it a storytelling and entertaining as well as informative. And that was Bob Labriola's lead to his review that, um, you know, you, it was an Indian proverb, but you tell me a story, I'll remember it forever. That was the gist of his little proverb to start the review. So it's available at jimwexel.com if you want autographed copies for Christmas. You know, you can contact me. It says contact us. Click that and say, hey, personalize this to uh, my nephew, Jeremy. And uh, by the way, Jeremy, I saw your order. Do you want it personalized? I do. Okay. I do. (laughs) To the the best Steelers podcaster in the world. Okay. I will. Very good. And with that, you can get to the stock market, right? There we go. That's right. It's almost opening bell. So, but everybody, thank you so much for watching today. Episode number 46, our gratitude to all of you. Check out Jim's work at the Still City Insider. Give Jim a follow at Jim Wexel on Twitter. Check out my work, thestillstudy.com. Follow me on Twitter at Still Study, and we will see you back here next week, hopefully talking about another Steelers victory. Have a great week, everyone. Jim, take care. You too, Jeremy. Bye.